Hello and welcome to the Samungo's podcast. This is episode 46 and firstly I hope you're all keeping safe and well. I know different parts of the UK are at different stages of the pandemic. I'm sure a lot of you are currently under a lot of pressure and I think a lot of us will soon be under a lot of pressure. So we wanted to put this podcast out even though we hadn't planned to do so for a while because we recorded this a month or so ago. Uh, So it's not specifically relevant to the pandemic, but it is about peak performance under pressure, which is the title of a book written by our guest, Stephen Hearns, who's been one of our guests previously, and he's a consultant in emergency medicine, pre-hospital and retrieval medicine, as well as doing a lot of work in mountain rescue and other situations. So um, I think there's a lot of important advice here that will hopefully be relevant at this time. We won't have time to do our usual take-home points. We'll get these two episodes out relatively quickly but I hope you enjoy. So we're back at Scottstar again with Dr. Stephen Hearns. And Dr. Hearns, this, you are the, the first guest that we've ever welcomed back for a second time. So thank you very much. It must have been okay the first time, is that right? Um, it was um, after we got it right uh, the, the second time. <laughs> well, look, thank you very, very much. Now, a lot has changed since uh, you were very kind enough to, to be on our podcast before. Um, you've brought out a book, a fantastic book, uh, called Peak Performance Under Pressure. And that, I guess, is lessons that you've gained from your time predominantly in the pre-hospital uh, arena, but also as an emergency medicine consultant and also working in mountain rescue as well. So lots of experience with performing in complicated situations, high-pressure situations, and what you've learned and gained. And, and also, I think you go and you speak to lots of other people who work in similar environments. So that's what this talk is going to be about. So thank you very, very much uh, for joining us. So I thought uh, let's start off with a, a kind of relatively simple one. So why does it matter? Why, why is this an important topic for both health professionals and a lot of frontline kind of high pressure situation, people who work in those situations? Performance under pressure is vitally important and indeed increasingly important for healthcare professionals uh, and other people who work um, as, as part of the emergency services, I think for, for two main reasons. The first is in terms of optimising the quality of care that we can give to patients. And the second is for maintaining our own personal well-being. We are all working in increasingly uh, challenging and, and pressured environments uh, within the health service um, in terms of patient demand, in terms of the, the volume of information that we need to retain and, and process, and also the standards that we need to meet when we're, we're treating any individual patient. So without the, the knowledge of how pressure affects our performance and indeed having the the right tools and techniques to deal with pressure, it is becoming increasingly difficult for us to perform to an adequate standard when we are caring for, for patients. The other aspect of it is about our own personal well-being. If repeatedly shift after shift, we are being placed uh, under excessive pressure and, and moving into the zone of frazzle, um, then that is really not good for our own um, personal well-being, uh, both during the, the actual shift, but also chronically, if we are chronically exposed to uh, surges in adrenaline and cortisol, then that is going to lead to uh, burnout and, and lead to chronic stress. So what exactly is pressure i know that seems a wee bit simple but it's a, it's a complex kind of uh, thing so what what how would you define it well i think 
what is really important for people to realise is that pressure is good. Many people would have you believe that pressure is always negative in terms of our performance. That is simply not the case, however. We need a certain level of pressure to motivate us, to arouse us, to stimulate us, to perform at our best. When we reach that optimal level of pressure, that is when we can communicate um, uh, optimally. Uh, we work best as a team. We are more innovative uh, and we can actually complete uh, complex practical tasks uh, most efficiently. So we need the right level of pressure in order to perform optimally. We need to be in the zone of flow. And that is what the book is about. It's about the concept of owning the pressure to achieve that right level of pressure so that we can attain and maintain that zone of high performance flow. And I know in the book you, you talk about the arc of performance. Would you mind if we just went through that just to kind of describe? It's kind of a, a, a well, I'll, I'll let you describe yeah, it. Yeah, so the arc of performance um, is a, an inverted U-shaped graph, which actually psychologists have um considered as, as a model for performance for uh, now over a hundred years. And there are four um, phases uh, of performance compared to pressure. The phase that we want to be in is the optimal zone, which psychologists call flow. And that is when the pressure on us is at the, the right level to, to motivate us and to, to stimulate us and where we're, we're performing at our best. However, if there is not enough pressure on us, then our performance deteriorates. And that is known as the, the zone of disengagement, when there is insufficient pressure to arouse us and to, to stimulate us. But similarly, if pressure becomes excessive, then we get a, a low-level releases of cortisol and adrenaline, which pushes in to the zone of frazzle. And we actually develop a stress type response, like a, a fight or flight response. And we become uh, defensive. We can appear um, even ag aggressive to, to those around us. And our ability to make considered and rational judgments and to carry out fine motor tasks becomes significantly compromised. And then there's a final fourth zone of performance, which is called freezing or choking. And that is when the, the level of pressure on us really becomes very excessive and we actually freeze. We lose the ability to communicate. We actually stop moving and we stop thinking. And that is an inherent and evolved response within us, um, which is a, a defensive response when we are facing attack uh, or, or a threat which we feel that we can't overcome. It's uh, like an animal playing dead um, when a, 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 an, an assailant or an aggressor is, is trying to attack it. Uh, and many of us will have actually seen that um, even in um, a, an emergency response situation uh, or in a healthcare setting where um, someone um, is asked a question or is under so much pressure uh, that they actually freeze or, or choke. So my wife's a psychologist, uh, and she'll hate me saying this now, but she says we, we haven't evolved psychologically much for 50,000 years. So we are similar to what we were 50,000 years ago in terms of psychological development. And I guess we were designed, as you say, to run away from tigers. Not No one could have imagined or our brains haven't evolved 
to cope with the stresses of modern life. And I, I, I presume that's where a lot of our modern stress and anxieties and, and stuff come from. So what's your, what, what are the pressures that we are now kind of facing? What, what, what are the common types of pressure that, that, that healthcare workers and, and frontline emergency services are, are having to learn to deal with that maybe we haven't been evolved to deal with? Yeah, Owen, I think you've made a, a really good point there. And it's something that became quite apparent to me when uh, I was re researching the book. Yeah, humans have been on Earth for 200,000 years. And for the first 199,000 years, they were dealing with relatively simple binary type decisions about food, water, shelter and how to deal with uh, attacks from neighbouring tribes uh, or aggressive animals. The actual volume of information that they needed to process was relatively small. And it's really only in the past 100 years that humans have started to uh, undertake more complex and, and more high-risk tasks, such as uh, open heart surgery, we've developed supercomputers, we're getting huge amounts of, of information, even in the last 10 years, um, coming uh, to us from handheld devices and, and our phones, etc. And it's my belief that the, the volume of information and the, the pressures that we're under uh, in modern life um, our brains haven't uh, sufficiently uh, adapted and evolved to allow us to uh, to deal with it, the, the pressures of, of modern life. And when we actually look at how people respond to um, excessive pressure or stress, then the way that we respond physiologically is actually very similar to the way that um, someone would respond if they were under um, potential, a, a threat of, of physical attack. And you mentioned in your book, you, you talk about some of the pressures that we that we experience and you, you talk about intrinsic and extrinsic. Yeah. Do you mind just uh, covering that for me? Yeah, we all talk about pressure in our jobs or being involved with a um, you know a, a high pressure situation with a with a patient or a road, road traffic accident site but it's it's uncommon for us actually to sit down and think about what we actually mean by pressure and i remember actually doing that one day when i was i was writing the the book and actually thinking what are the pressures that, that I am talking about? What are the pressures that I um, experience in the mountain rescue situation and, uh, or in, in the emergency department? So pressures can be divided into uh, two types. There are intrinsic pressures, and that is really the, 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 the magnitude or the, the complexity of the, the situation that, that we are dealing with, whether that's a complex practical task that we might have to, to undertake um, or a, a very prolonged um, situation that's going to lead to fatigue. So the, the intrinsic pressures come from the, the, the complexities of the situation itself and are, and are inescapable. But in addition to that, unfortunately, we also have extrinsic pressures. And those extrinsic pressures don't make the task more complicated, but they uh, ad uh, adversely influence our perception of the situation. Um, and those might be, be time pressures, it might be uh, consequences of failure, uh, it might be an, an audience watching us carrying out a complex task or, for example, giving us a, a presentation. So we've got the intrinsic pressures, which um, are 
intrinsic to the, the task or the decision that we're making. And then we've got um, extrinsic pressures in addition to, to that, um, which uh, uh, add to the, the, the challenge of, of successful completion uh, um, with, with high performance. And then you also talk about, uh, in addition to the pressures, there's additional barriers to high performance. Yep. Do you mind just running through some of the big ones? Yeah, so the book is uh, divided into um, five sections. The The first section initially deals with um, what pressure is and psychologically what effects pressure can have on our performance, both positively and negatively. Later in that first section, what I deal with, um, I've got a chapter on the, the barriers to, to high performance. Um, and that chapter specifically deals with uh, bias traps, cognitive biases uh, and critical decision making and how um, cognitive biases can lead us into making the, the wrong decisions and, and the wrong judgments, especially when we're in, in high pressure situations. It also deals with fatigue and how fatigue can uh, affect our ability to uh, take on board information, make judgments, uh, work effectively as part of a team uh, and communicate uh, with other people, both verbally uh, and, and non-verbally. Also in that uh, chapter on, on barriers to, to high performance, um, I have considered what the, the challenges are in terms of environmental pressures. Uh, and that's particularly important for those of us who, who work in search and rescue uh, or in, in pre-hospital care um, in terms of, of noise, wind, cold, uh, wet environments, um, etc. Uh, and how they can adversely uh, affect our performance. Many people work in quite sterile environments where they are allowed to consider information in, in front of them and come to judgments and, and decisions, um, just focusing uh, on that one decision uh, at any one time. However, many of us who work in the emergency services or in healthcare, uh, unfortunately, when they're trying to make complex and, and often very high stakes decisions or carry out um, high stakes practical tasks, are actually subject to multiple distractions and interruptions. And what I've tried to do is try to describe how distractions uh, and interruptions can lead us to carrying out practical tasks um, ineffectively uh, and also, unfortunately, um, making the wrong judgments and, and erroneous decisions. So do you mind if I ask you a little bit about perception of pressure? Because I presume that has a lot to do with it. You know, two people can face the same challenge. One person handles it completely differently and the other person doesn't. And I presume a lot of that, there's probably multiple factors, but a lot of it is is how that individual perceives the pressure. So you talk a bit about cognitive appraisal. Do you mind um, just kind of uh, elaborating a wee bit on that? Yeah, Owen, cognitive appraisal is a, is a fascinating concept. What we would all like to think happens when we are pre uh, faced with a high pressure situation is that we stop, we take on board information that's around us and we assess the, the complexity of, of that situation and our ability to deal with it and then make a, a, an informed judgment. 
that doesn't actually happen. What happens is that we have got an, an evolved response to come to an instantaneous appraisal of any situation uh, that, uh, that we are facing. And our prefrontal cortex is programmed um, to compare what we are seeing to previous experiences and come up with an appraisal of that situation in milliseconds. So what happens is when we are faced with a, a new situation, our brain asks itself three questions. How big is this challenge in front of me uh, in terms of magnitude and in terms of technical complexity? Then asks itself, do I have the resources to overcome this challenge, whether that's in terms of personnel and personal knowledge and personal skills. And then the third question our brains ask itself is, what are the consequences of completing this task successfully? Or if I were to be unsuccessful in completing it, what would the consequences be for me? And your brain can come up with two potential cognitive appraisals after that. Ideally, it comes up with a cognitive appraisal of challenge, i.e. this is going to be difficult, but I have got the resources and the ability to overcome it. And if I am successful, that is going to have a positive outcome for me and those around me. And that cognitive appraisal of challenge really helps us get into that zone of high performance flow. Unfortunately, though, our brains are primed in certain circumstances to arrive at a cognitive appraisal of threat. We make this instantaneous judgment that the problem in front of us is very complex, very large. We don't have the resources and the ability to overcome it. And we are going to end up with a catastrophic outcome if we're not successful. And arriving at a cognitive appraisal of threat catapults us into the zone of low performance frazzle because we get a surge in cortisol and adrenaline and that leads uh, to that zone of frazzle and it leads to, to poor performance. So a big bit of uh, performance under pressure is recognising that that instantaneous appraisal um, is going to happen there is absolutely nothing that we can do to stop it happening. But what we need to do is try not to react to that initial surge of cortisol and adrenaline if we do arrive at a cognitive appraisal of threat. And what we need to do is, is try and pause over 10, 20, 30 seconds and try and make a rational appraisal of the, the situation in order to for us to try and achieve a zone of high performance flow rather than one of frazzle uh, and approach the situation in a, in a more um, measured and ob objective way. Okay, so I think we'll, we'll be coming on to the meat in a wee minute, owning the pressure. Um, but one other little standout um, point for me that I just wanted you to kind of uh, touch on was metacognition. Do you mind just uh, telling our listeners what that is? Yeah, so metacognition in, in its simplest form is, is thinking about thinking. And that is a thread which runs all the way through the book. And it is vitally important for um, teams and individuals uh, in terms of performance under pressure. In basic terms, there are two different ways in which we make decisions and judgments. 
there is analytical cognition or analytical processing, and then there's automatic or intuitive processing. Analytical cognition is essential for complex, high-risk, unfamiliar tasks and decisions. And what we do is we consciously take on board um, information which is available um, uh, to us with regard to the challenge that, that we're facing. We consider different options and we make a conscious decision to select um, a single option uh, and decide on that as a course of action. So analytical cognition is, is safe, uh, it's, it's pretty low risk of, of, of making error and as I say it's absolutely essential for situations that we've never dealt with before. However, it is very cognitively demanding and it's slow. Um, it uses up um, almost all of our, our working memory, which is really pretty limited, prevents us from, from doing anything else, and it takes a long period uh, in order to come to the right decision or judgment or to carry out a practical task that's requiring analytical cognition. Automatic cognition is, is really quite different, and actually most of the decisions that we make day to day are actually based on uh, automatic or intuitive processing. And that type of processing is based on pattern recognition. I've been in this situation before, I've experienced this challenge before, this is what's happening and this is the right course of action. And our brains can make those types of decisions very, very quickly. And if we are undertaking a practical task using automatic processing, then we can do it quickly and we can do it very efficiently. And importantly, it doesn't use up uh, as much of our working memory or our cognitive bandwidth. So when we are looking at um, organisations, teams and, and as individuals, how we are going to um, deal with a, a complex high pressure situation, we need to be aware of metacognition and we need to be cognizant of when we are using or when we need to use analytical cognition and processing and when it would be better to be using automatic and intuitive processing. And I've written a, a section on training for, for high performance, especially for um, teams and individuals who make decisions and carry out practical tasks. And a lot of the time when we are carrying out practical tasks, we actually use analytical cognition, which, as I say, is, is quite slow and it uses up lots of our cognitive bandwidth. But if we drill practical tasks, i.e. we write down how we are going to go about carrying out that practical task and then we carry out that practical task again and again and again, what we can do is we can convert the processing that's required for that practical task from demanding analytical processing to automatic and intuitive processing. And what that means when we actually get to an operational situation which is high pressure is that we can carry out those practical tasks using automatic and intuitive processing and we can do it quickly, we can do it efficiently and it frees up our cognitive bandwidth uh, to take in information about the situation and be making other decisions. So 
being aware of analytical processing, automatic processing, when we should use each type of processing in what different situations, and indeed applying those principles to practical tasks in terms of drilling and converting those requiring analytical processing to automatic processing is an absolutely fundamental part uh, of training yourselves to perform well under high pressure situations. So thank you very much to Stephen Hearns. As I said before, we didn't really have a chance to put together some take-home points for this. I hope you'll forgive us for that. Uh, But we'll get the second episode out in the next few days. I hope you're all keeping safe and well. And thank you for everything you're doing and will do in the coming weeks. Take care.